Welcome to Get With IT, a podcast by IT Ops Times. The host today is Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of IT Ops Times. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the most recent uh, episode here of uh, the Get With IT podcast from IT Ops Times. Uh, today's topic is um, actually we're talking about cloud management and um, the cost of cloud. And uh, uh, the reason we're doing that is because of the recent announcement from uh, Google that they were coming up with this uh, flex agreement uh, program. So uh, joining us today to talk about this is John Purcell. He's the chief product officer at a company called Do It International. They're a, a cloud management company that offers both uh, services and um, solutions. John, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. Great to be with you today. Good. Appreciate your uh, time. So just to uh, get started with some general background, what exactly are these flex agreements? What's the point? And um, you know, what what does it offer to uh, potential clients? Yeah, so I think it's a pretty creative way on, on Google's part to maybe simplify the onboarding process for companies considering, you know, leveraging and signing up uh, to, to leverage the Google Cloud Platform. I, I think quite often in the past, what you've seen is when you're whether you're migrating from some sort of a hybrid environment or you're maybe even you're switching from one hypervisor to another and Google in this case, quite often there's an expectation that there are you know large commitments you need to sort of secure when you're signing that first contract or you're, or you're signing up for that first subscription as you're kind of starting to migrate workloads. Mm-hmm. And quite often, especially over the last, I would say, maybe 12 to 24 months, uh, and, and I would say, in particular, as the macroeconomic climate is starting to tighten, right? There's a lot more cost consciousness. It feels like over the last certain six to nine months. Right. I think it's a recognition on Google's part that listen, you know, we don't want a, a sort of a, a, a cost consciousness or a, or a risk aversion in that sense to prevent customers coming to us, right? And so the idea of flex agreements, uh, like most, you know, cloud providers. Uh, GCP does offer you incentives in in return for commitments. Essentially, you'll get a lower price. You'll get a lower unit price on your workload if you're willing to commit to running that workload for a longer period of time. That's a gross oversimplification, but I think you get the point. Yep. Um, and what flex agreements specifically allow you to do is bring me your workloads. We get that you're not ready to sort of sign for a large upfront commitment. But we will offer you incentives if you sign a flex agreement to, to benefit from some of those same discount mechanisms, albeit at a lower rate, um, the, you know, the longer you're running those workloads. So it gives these companies, digital natives and enterprises alike, a bit of an easier on-ramp to stomach to a new cloud uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, the other big cloud providers are going to perhaps have to follow suit? It's, it's almost like... Uh, uh, you know, a, a realtor who said, okay, we're going to charge you 4% uh, on the sale of your house. And then another one comes in and says, I'll do it for 2%. And then that kind of brings the whole market down. Is is you think that's something that could be on the horizon here? I think in certain cases, it, it already is, David. Certainly, you know, um, you know, Amazon uh, has has been the sort of the juggernaut in this industry for, for a long time. They were, they were the first sort of into this space and they've had not only have they had first mover advantage on this by a long shot, they've also just been been releasing technology and new services at a breathtaking rate, you know, over the last 10 or 15 years, as, as, as I'm sure you know. So, there, so you know, it used to be that you'd pick the cloud based on 
you know, which services sort of gave you the best platform to run your workload. Um, and I think Google certainly, uh, although they sort of came to the market later than than Amazon or Microsoft did, um, certainly, you know, found a lot of relevance quite quickly, especially in the world of data processing, data storage, networking, transfer, that sort of thing. Uh, and so I think this sort of just rounds out and, and just maybe lowers one little kind of lingering barrier to companies onboarding, you know, quickly and sort of saying, listen, your BigQuery technology is fantastic. It's market leading. Um, how do, how can I, you know, get into that quickly? Um, and this is just one way to sort of lower the barrier to doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds good. Now, would, would these agreements benefit, um, you know, certain companies over other companies, for instance, uh, maybe companies that need a larger scale and have more workloads uh, would be more advantageous than a smaller company? It, it might, it might, David. I, I think the one common thread, though, is and what I think Google has been, uh, has been certainly signaling to the market is um, whether you're what they would classify as an enterprise company or you're what they would classify as a digital native company. And quite often that's based on um, size, stage, you know, funding model, et cetera. Um, the common thread that sort of connects these tiers of the market, as Google has signaled, is um, there's something going on in your business that makes you more risk averse to signing large financial commitments ahead of running work in a cloud, right? I think that's the common thread here. Uh, and, and, you know, while, as I sort of mentioned earlier, these cloud companies, they do offer incentives if you're willing to sort of sign it, you know, write a check up front, or you're willing to commit to running workloads over a long period of time. Many companies, they're just, they're, they're just not, they're either not sure, or given the way their business is running, they're running it, you know, on a much sort of leaner basis, maybe now, and they just want to sort of get in, drive scale. And when the time comes, they'll sign that commitment. But at first, they just want to get in and hit that scale point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's all very interesting. So are there particular instances, uh, compute instances that would qualify for the agreement uh, more than others? Or maybe some that aren't eligible? Uh, so it's, it's actually offers a great deal of flexibility, ironically, as the name suggests, um, <laughs> you know, where there are. Uh, uh, there are various forms of incentives within, like as I mentioned, if if you're a customer willing to uh, commit, if you're if you're willing to commit to a certain level of spend, or you're a customer willing to commit to a certain level of usage, and those two things are related, but they're incentivized a little differently depending on 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 where you're at. They each come with a certain set of rules about what machine types they'll cover, uh, how flexibly you can sort of move those commitments or, or apply those commitments in different places. And, and in general, the, the, I suppose that one of the nice things, if you like, about Google Cloud is that the, the number of sort of instance families or machine families is, is smaller, right? And again, there's, you know, there's, I suppose we could have a debate about, you know, which is, you know, if, you, if I look at Amazon, for example, they've got, you know, tens and tens and tens of machine types of different sizes and it's it's quite complicated and complex but very flexible right you can sort of really dial in and tune the type of machine and resource you know you want to run your workload on whereas at google it tends to be quite a bit simpler and so therefore to your question you know these incentives can tend to float from machine type to machine type yes there are rules and they vary whether you're talking about a committed use discount a sustained use discount you know or a flex agreement 
Interesting. So uh, let me just back it up a second and, and talk more to the general topic of uh, exploding cloud costs. I know when 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 cloud first became a big thing, uh, you know, and Amazon was launching and, and Microsoft had theirs and others, uh, you know, they were saying that that cloud would be a cost savings to organizations that wouldn't have to now run their own uh, data centers and everything else. Uh, and of course, we've seen the explosion of those costs uh, that people, I think, maybe weren't uh, expecting. So, so how does all of this kind of fit into more of that, you know, managing the costs uh, of cloud and and how can organizations do that uh, on their own as opposed to just relying on the vendor to reduce their costs? Sure, it's it's a it's a great question. I think it's such a timely and it's it, this this question. And this challenge, if you like, has persisted for for years. And to this day, um, you know, this 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 is still a challenge. Frankly, we you know we deal with with our customers on a daily basis, and as we sign new customers, consistently the patterns repeat. I think um, so, some time ago, I I think the market realized that looking to the cloud as a way to just simply save money uh, stopped being a, a valid reason to go to the cloud because in many cases it just wasn't the case right, right? Um, yes you can certainly eliminate you know large capital expenditure around you know infrastructure uh, uh, property locations data centers that sort of thing mm-hmm. but in many cases you're replacing it with opex in the form of licensing fees subscriptions usage and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, so so over time I think that that expectation has I think diminished and faded away but the reason the reasons you go to the cloud are as as relevant and, and I think um, important as ever. You're moving to the cloud for flexibility. You're moving to the cloud for speed. You're moving to the cloud for just the breadth of, of technology choices that are available to you rather than trying to build your own databases or host your own machines, right? And the management, of course, of all of that is taken care of, you know, for you. So I, I believe and we believe that companies who choose to move to the cloud or simply start their businesses in the cloud are doing it because it gives them much more agility. It gives them the ability to react quicker to market dynamics, competitive pressure. They can um, dramatically accelerate time to market with products and services and applications. And this is, you know, and, and the promise, of course, originally of the cloud is if I need more resource. I, I, I get it essentially with a, at the click of a button. And in some cases, I don't have to do anything. It just scales up for me right? in, in terms of elasticity. So, so all of those are the reasons I think you move to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the issue of, of managing cost has become, has come into sharper focus as, as we sort of realize, listen, when I go to the cloud, my costs are going to scale. And if I'm not careful to use your term, they'll explode, right? And this in many, I think for many reasons is why the FinOps movement has sort of formalized. We've been we've been doing FinOps type things for seven eight years now in the cloud. We just didn't call it FinOps, right? We were trying to build visibility into. I just got this bill and it's two x what it was last month. Why is that, right? Who is driving that cost? Who left a machine turned on? Who's spinning up new workloads? Did somebody make a mistake? You know, etc. So visibility into where that's coming from, I think, has driven a lot of that core FinOps sort of use, you know, use case and, and problem sure. set. Wow. And then being able to sort of do the do the traditional IT financing things like allocating costs, right? Where in the business do I need to charge this cost back to? 
right? In the world of traditional IT, that was super easy, uh-huh. right? The process moved a lot slower. In the world of cloud, it's it's an incredibly fast-moving and complicated, you know, scenario. So, sure. so I, I think in general, that, and I know you've done, you know, you've done interviews and podcasts on the concept of FinOps. It's such a such a, an important area, and, right. and we too play in that space. I think where flex agreements is relevant and connected here. We've always argued that, um, you know, FinOps, you know, shouldn't be a retrospective thing. It shouldn't always be looking back to try to figure out what happened. How do I how do I reduce my costs because they because they just blew up out of control? Good FinOps discipline for us is about being proactive. It's about defining budgets that make sense in the context of your business. And listen, it boils down to this. You know, growing cloud costs are not a problem so long as they're growing proportionally to your business, and that you can and you and you and you understand that and you can predict that, right? Yeah. If that's the case, no problem. I don't mind a bill going up, so long as I know why and I know that it's in proportion to my business. Right. I hope, I hope that makes sense. No, absolutely. I know. Uh, you know, in some of those FinOps conversations that we've had, uh, you know. Uh, I, I was talking to one guy and and was talking about the classic case of a developer spinning up an environment to run a test or something and then failing to shut it down at the end. Uh, and uh, he was like, yeah, well, that's the low-hanging fruit, but the it's really an organizational decision that has to be made from from the very top of, uh, of the organization uh, to make sure that they're capping costs and that they have strategies and plans, as you said, uh, to try to keep the cost down. To me, it's kind of like the move from cable television to streaming services. You know, like uh, I'm a big Met fan, but now a couple of their games are on on uh, you know a local streaming service that I had to sign up for to watch the game. And then I'm like, well, I'll just keep it because they'll probably put another one up. Uh, but it's three months later, and I paid for three months I didn't need. And <laughs> you know, it's it's a, a similar kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, well, as a as a as a Red Sox guy, you know, I can relate to the baseball analogy. Uh, uh, I can relate to that. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting you know comparison. Um, I, I, I think the uh, the um, it, you're right. It, it is as much an organizational and philosophical, or maybe even cultural sort of consideration as it is a technology consideration. Right. And right. and you need to have a you need to have a company uh, and a company structure that is committed to understanding the implications. Of their cloud choices. So, in your example of somebody spinning up a, a server instance and leaving it running, I think we would refer to this as, as governance, right? If you have a little bit of governance, or maybe a lot of governance around this, you can you can make the owners of those decisions more aware of the implications of those decisions, especially from a cost perspective. I think that's what good proactive, you know, cost management in in a, in a FinOps sort of world looks like to us. Yeah, that's great. All right, John Purcell, Chief Product Officer at Do It International, the cloud management company. Thanks so much for your time today, John. Great conversation. David, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. And to all our attendees for listening, thanks for being with us again as always. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ITOps Times. So long for now. 